Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us over the airwaves is Nick Lawson. How are you doing, Nick? I'm fine. Hello. Hello, both of you. Although we're not no, normally, the last time I did one of these, we're in a room. We're all in a room together. But now we're just looking at each other over video, yes. which is the new normal, which everybody's used to. Oh, I'm going to take a picture of us, in fact, while we speak. Keep going. Uh, so Nick is the well, relatively new Mediacom global COO after moving up from being a mere CEO in September. Yeah, that's the picture. Um, what did you set out to do in September, Nick? I imagine that your plans have changed a bit. Um, I'm, well, I'm not sure the overall plan has changed. Maybe we've been diverted into sort of uh, maybe some slightly different tactics, which we'll probably talk about later on mm. but i think um what i set out to do in september was really a sort of a transformational program for mediacom um i always had i mean before we had a, a, a i suppose a, a a statement of our beliefs which is about helping our clients grow i think that what really occurred to me especially when i looked at what all agencies were saying at that point is everybody really fo was focusing on a growth agenda i suppose mm -hmm. so turning up to see a potential new client or even an existing client saying we, we, we want to help to grow your business was pretty much akin to sort of stating the obvious really because why else would we be there certainly wouldn't be uh, there to help them shrink it yeah yeah and i and also you know over that period as well I, I think agencies like ourselves, sort of, I suppose, the large, what would be classified as traditional media agency groups, were sort of being pigeonholed into an area that we, you know, can't do digital particularly well. Right. So I sort of wanted to cover off, I suppose, that, get a clear ground for us to really fight the battle moving forward on. And I always had this concept in my mind and it came and it really came out of systems planning, which is our sort of planning product that agencies like ourselves, especially Mediacom, we are where we are. We help clients grow because we help our clients see the bigger picture. And by that, I mean, we see the entire communications landscape mm. and we can connect brand activity um, with lower funnel um, digital activation activity, I would say. And we can present to clients the, the whole view and we can make the machine or that comms machine work much better and much more effectively. And when we do that for clients across our business, we get amazing results. Okay? We really do show incredible movement, you know, up to sort of 20, 30 percent effectiveness when we really apply all the thinking across Mediacom into that. So this is where I started from, which was like, OK, Mediacom sees the bigger picture. I also think that's what a number of our smaller, more digitally focused competitors can't do. Yep. So if you go to a search agency, um, you know, pretty much what they'll tell you is the answer is search. Now, what's the question? We'll spend more money on search. Mm. And I think only agencies like ourselves can really show clients that bigger picture on how to get value out of the entire comms landscape. So we really settled on that. You've seen the product of that. Seeing the bigger picture is now sort of front and centre of our kind of creds but alongside that I think we decided on a I suppose a, a four-pronged 
transformation program. One was making sure that systems planning right across the world lands, and we've created this amazing database of um, planning apps, I suppose, for all of our planners to use, which everybody uses. And we're investing more and more and more in that, millions of dollars a year in that. But alongside that, we, do, we decided to develop capabilities in what we call systems intelligence, which is making sure that we're bringing all the latest data and tech and first party data and third party data to bear on our clients' business. Systems creative, which is my biggest bugbear for Mediacom. Um, and I'll talk a bit about who we brought in a, in a second. But if you look at sort of results, clients' results over the last sort of, I suppose, the last five years, the equation between medium media creative, that effectiveness equation, i.e. what moves the dial for our clients, is it media or is it creative, has swung more towards media than it has from creative. So five years ago, 60% of the effect of an ad was put down to the creative or the message, and 40% on the media placement. And that situation is reversed over five years. So that says two things to me. One, that media is actually working really, really hard to become more effective and more relevant to clients' business. But also that potentially the creative work or the messaging that we're putting out there isn't necessarily up to the task that we wanted to fulfill. Now, um, I don't think instinctively we all kind of recognise that. I look at the output, if you look at the, the output on Facebook, for example, how much of the work that is put out on Facebook is really fit for purpose in the world that it's in, you know, in that three second filter world. And we tend to be putting standard TV copy into those environments, you know, more than we should. So that's clearly an area that I think is right for media so right for media to interject in, or at least have an opinion. And this is where we've had a real focus. We brought in a guy called, who me and you know really well, um, probably the most up, uh, upbeat person in media, uh, the guy that ran um, Mother before, a guy called Steph Colcroft, yeah. who, uh, who should we call him an optimist? He even managed to cheer up um, Costin. He shared an office with Costin when he first arrived. Wow. For those who don't know Costin, Costin's fairly downbeat dour sort of character and Steph had him giggling did he well I wouldn't describe him as laughing I wouldn't describe him as laughing but he he had him uh, he brought a smile to his face should we say that that's about as much as we probably get out of costing um and then the, the last piece is an activation piece and I think to truly deliver mm. to truly deliver on on systems thinking we have to develop the ability to um, optimise across digital silos yep. effectively in real time. Yep. And if we can do that, we can truly get the total impact of the of yep. the system. And at the moment, a lot of clients brief set digital budgets by channel. So yep. they'll have a search budget, they'll have a Facebook budget. Yeah, based on, what, a, based on what they did in the past. Way, it, and when you, when you ask where those budgets come from, it's sort of, it's fairly opaque and they're certainly not being considered in the whole. So we need to really help our clients mm -hmm. develop briefs that give us the opportunity to be able to optimise those budgets in real time mm -hmm. across those different digital silos. And we're working really, really hard on that. And I look at the latest work we're doing on Adidas, for example, mm -hmm. that we're doing exactly that. And, and we're getting really, really good results. Yeah. 
And that, in my view, nobody is really doing that in the media world effectively at this moment in time. So I think I regard that as a bit of a space race, actually, because the first agency to truly be able to do that yeah. will really win in this environment. And that is our advantage. That's our core advantage and how we will beat our competitors. So at the same time, so I talked about Steph. We brought in um, Nadine on the on the tech side, chief. Um, and we've also brought Vincent back from France to help with that transformation product as chief product officer. So all those sort of components, I suppose, are being put in place. And that program is ongoing. So the COVID virus and where we are at the moment, we're moving forward on it. We're not yeah. stopping on it. It's a good time. At the same time, I sort of looked at our, I suppose, our branding as well. I want to look at our branding and the way that we look and the way Mediacom stylized. I wasn't aware, but our logo hasn't changed in 20 years. Remember the two sort of heads talking to each other? I was so pleased when they, they yeah. went. <laughs> well, that, that, is, that logo is still on the gate round the side if you try and get into the car park at Mediacom. <laughs> is yeah. it really? Yeah. Is it? That was, a, that was an Alexander Schmidt Vogel yes, logo. Did try, we I think he might have done it himself, actually. I think he might have done it himself. But he, um, yeah, I think he did, yeah. I, I think he did sort of knock it out. I think him and Carrie sort of knocked yeah. that out. <laughs> Although it did get across, I mean, funny enough, we were talking about it the other day because the branding project's sort of ongoing and we, um, we're we we're moving towards sort of a conclusion on it, which we've got to sort of share with a few a few people, road test with a few people, I suppose. But again, that's an ongoing project. Yeah. And I think um, it's about modernising, I suppose, and mo modernising our image because I think it's important that with these types of transformation products, A, that you bring everybody together on the same sort of roadmap, which is why I brought Vincent in, but also you have symbols of change and that's about people bringing in different people or promoting. We've always had a track record of promoting people from within, i.e. Vincent, for example, um, and people like Steph to help us with that project, but also visible symbols that we're changing as well, which I think is our brand in front of house and, you know, and those things. So all of that is sort of ongoing. And of course the day job, so that's all sort of the new stuff, I suppose. Yeah. The, day, the, the day job and the stuff that I was already doing, which is making sure that our global clients and the global client practice that we're keeping our clients happy and moving our clients forward is kind of key for us. The size of the Mediacom is. The most important thing is the clients that we've got. And it's more important than ever at this moment in time, I would say, of being closer to our clients. Um, but also then trying to win some new clients and new business continues at a reasonable pace I mean, remarkably, it hasn't slowed down. I would say, if anything, it's quickening up. So I think people, are, I think people are taking this opportunity to really review. Yeah. So I can only think of one pitch that we knew of before the crisis that has stopped, and two or three new ones have come through. So we're really, really busy at the moment on the new business front, which I quite admire. And we're about to complete, I think, our first, pretty much our first sort of virtual pitch. I wonder if we win. It'd be great if we won it. Yeah, we'd be brilliant. It could be the first pitch ever. It could be the it could be the first pitch. I suppose it's going to be a first, isn't it? Because if yeah. you think about it, this will be the first pitch. Whoever wins it will win the first ever virtual pitch. Mm -hmm. Because I can't think that there's ever been one before that has done been totally done by video link. But, uh, so it will be a media first. Uh, uh, on a global level, I think you're right. Uh, I'm, I'm told. I'm told Paul Cooper. Has done one in Manchester, yeah. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Sasha would have done one as well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. Yeah, not getting out of the office much in New York. Um, How is that all this question? That that's a brilliant and very full answer to the question. Was it too full? No, 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 no it's great. It isn't too full. It makes massive sense to me that and one of the things that I've heard Steph saying, which is that for years we've been on the on the the creative side, for years we've been optimizing and optimizing the media side of the equation. It's time to start looking at uh, and having a point of view at optimizing the creative element. Well, well I think this is I think it's a good point. Yeah, and I think it's very true of all media agencies, actually, not just Mediacom. I think that we've had um, consultants and auditors mm. and pitches and due diligence all over media for the last 10, 15 years. And that all of that has led to a real optimization of media. I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'm not saying there's not more to be done. Yeah. But there has definitely been a large amount of people looking at that equation, that side mm. of the equation. Yeah. Relatively small amounts of people looking at the other side of the equation. And we can bring some science yeah. to it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And the job of um, Systems Creative is to bring mm. the science that we know, the data that we've got, to the creative side of the equation and help our clients. And this doesn't necessarily mean we do the creative work or become a full service agency. Yeah. Yeah. But we definitely need to have an opinion about what is working and what isn't working on that half of the business, because that to me, there is a, uh, I suppose there is a, a bigger mind that side to generate results potentially on our side. And if we can get that right, I really think we're moving forward. Yeah, And, and then the point about um, performance and systemizing, uh, optimizing across the silos, again, what a massive, just what a massive opportunity. Um, and the work that we're doing in that area is... Um, and that's not an easy feat, right? Because you've got to equalize results. And, and we are really, really working hard to be able to try and do that. And so all our data scientists or whatever, we're working really hard in that area. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. So, but how has it all changed in the last five, six weeks? Um, well, not in the office. Well, yeah, obviously we're all, you know, we're all working from home. I mean, in a, in a in a funny sort of way, I think that, as I said before, I don't think that transformation project, there's so much work that we have to do. And nearly all of that work can be done now at this sort of moment in time. So that is ongoing and we're not stopping that. Um, we're keeping going. I think as regards sort of launching something or rebranding the agency right at this moment in time you wouldn't necessarily do it now you'll do it when we're all back but all of that prep work in my view can be done and of course we're moving resources so nobody's going to can this year so yeah. we haven't got can to worry about so i can take all the resources we're putting on can more into this so so in that sense i think that program goes on i think what has changed is definitely at the moment all of our clients, I mean, I think we're going to face a couple of sort of periods, I suppose. One, which is the busy period, which is what we're in now, because all our clients are changing their plans. They're changing their plans every day. They're moving media. They're cancelling media. They're changing their plans. They want help on this. They want other advice on so a myriad of issues, especially at a sort of a global level, because, of course, it's impacting markets at different points. And all of that we are there for our clients for. So I suppose, if anything, we're doubling down on making sure that our clients are uh, informed and happy uh, right this moment in time. And I think that is mission number one for us. That's mission number one. Um, you know, at the same, at the same time, I, I suppose working from, working from home, you have to be quite disciplined. What occurs to me is you have to be quite disciplined working from home. 
Mm. And, and what I think this has led to is before you might sort of say, yeah, well, I'll get my team together once a week. Um, and of course, in a global role, most people are traveling, mm. people are dialing in from airports. It's all quite difficult to do. Whereas if everybody's at home, you know they're there. And it's much more structured. So everybody's there. Yeah. Everybody's talking. And in a funny sort of way, that sort of structured environment, I've had more sort of one-to-one -one meetings, I suppose, and more yeah. meetings with people this way than I did the other way. Because yeah. in, in, in the other time, a lot of the people I work with are on planes yeah. or in taxis yeah. or at dinner. Yeah. You know, um, et cetera, et cetera. So in that sense, I think that it's brought people kind of closer together on one hand I also think that you know there's no doubt the media comes at its best when we're sort of up against it in a crisis. Or, yeah in a crisis you know and I think that sort of spirit it reminds me of when we lost VW and kind mm. of bounced back over that year mm. at the moment and I think that spirit really exists within Mediacom mm. and I think you know I think Come a crisis, I think we're a great agency for a crisis. I do, actually. I think we've got, you know, we've got some very, very focused people and everybody's incredibly helpful and willing to yeah. pitch in, do stuff they wouldn't normally do, you know, all of that stuff. And, I, and I've yeah. been incredibly proud to sort of work for the organisation over this period because I've seen that in buckets from us. I mean, you've started. You've started to answer the next question. Actually, I mean, um, we should say that we are just entering week four of the UK lockdown as this is recorded, um, and there are obviously all sorts of grim consequences of of the pandemic. But you you've seen it from a global level, so you've seen it pan out from China through to what's currently going on in the UK, where you're you're based. Mm -hmm. um, are there are there are there other benefits? Are there other kind of silver linings to the very dark clouds? Well, I think um, I suppose it's easy to focus on the sort of the darker clouds at yeah. moments like this, right? So cheer us up a bit, Nick. Um, but I won't. Uh, but but maybe I I won't, or maybe I'll just come back to those. Mm. I mean, I think that I think if you look at some of the work and the creativity and the thinking that goes in at a time like this, I think that's what you've got to admire. So if I look at some of the work that we're doing on Adidas at the moment in terms of shifting our entire organisation to, to sort of lower funnel activities and working on that, if you look at that PNG India example um, that we put on the uh, coronavirus, our coronavirus website, you know, for everybody to see where all the PNG brands surrounded the Prime Minister's statement when they were going into lockdown to try and, you know, help people. Look at what we did with the in the UK with the sort of supporting the NHS and our brands mm -hmm. after the Channel 5 lockdown. Cool. So we've got copious, copious examples of where our thinking or whatever has really helped our clients integrate themselves into those moments. And I think that's what we should be that's what we should be really proud of but but more than anything i think that the for me i suppose is that closeness we've become closer to our clients over this period and i think that that's the most important thing that we're on the phone to them every day trying to help them as best we can um through the current crisis and it's that spirit of uh, the spirit of uh, comradeship i suppose 
that I think is probably the biggest upside in the current, you know, in the current environment. Um, obviously, nobody really knows, you know, how we're going to come out of this um, or when we're going to come out of it. I and mean, it doesn't seem to be an exit strategy, particularly, um, certainly in the UK, maybe more so in other countries who are starting to sort of re-emerge. And hopefully that will happen in the UK. And so what do you think the new normal is going to look like for Mediacom in the coming 18 months? Well, I think that we won't get back to where we were before for, you know, a long time where we could rely on uh, budgets, um, where things were fairly straightforward. So I think things are going to be hand to mouth for the rest of this year. I think everything's going to be up in the up in the air for a while. I think what this has proved to a number of clients is potentially their e-com strategy is not where it should be. So I think we're going to be pushed on digital transformation agenda by all of our clients to help them, you know, with that and fast track that. Because I think in if you look at if you look at the people that have been more successful over this period, it has been digital first advertisers more and more. Um, so I think that agenda will gather will gather real pace, and we're putting together plans across all our client base at the moment, you know, around that forming a new um, tech group to really take into to soak up that demand as and when as and when it happens so that would be my kind of prediction for kind of coming in um so it was a new role global coo um how different was it although you had a global um client um role, uh, responsibility before anyway but just how does it how does it feel different? How does it play out as different from um, your previous EMEA CEO role? Well, I think um, the EMEA job, which I did for many years, so I did it for sort of nine, ten years, um, and I worked with all of the markets across EMEA, so it's like 27 active mm-hmm. uh, markets in EMEA, you know, really, really closely. And I think there's no doubt that, that it's a job well, Sue, you know how I felt about being the CEO in the UK. I mean, it was a job that I always, always wanted to do. And I didn't do it for that long, actually, in the end. No, you didn't. I did it for like two, two three years um, before jumping across to Amir. And I, and, I, and, I, and I jumped across to Amir with a heavy heart. I've always said this because I didn't feel I'd done the UK job as long as I really wanted to do it. Yeah. But as soon as I did, as soon as I took on the Amir job, I loved it. You know, I loved the, the challenge I liked all the different markets. I like working with our, you know, our CEOs who are just terrific, talented bunch of CEOs. And it was a really difficult job as well because you're not managing directly a team. You're you're getting managers to manage a team, and mm. it's that's much harder. I suppose mm. it's a bit like chairman of a football club in a way. You know, you don't you don't get a manager to pick the team yourself, right? The manager picks the team. So. Um, so it's a job that I really enjoy, but there's no doubt you can only do a job like that for so long. And arguably, I've been doing it probably too long mm-hmm. uh, at, that, at that level. So, so when the opportunity came to do this, and obviously I had a foot in two camps anyway, because I was running a global client practice. So this was an opportunity to join up all of the client practice with all of the functional specialists into one sort of coherent product. 
and I was really, really interested in doing that and delivering a, a proper transformational agenda for MediaCom. Yeah. And that is, you know, incredibly exciting. Mm. It puts you right at the centre of where the agency is going. So it brought out the strategist in me. So you'll be pleased to know. For me, I am pleased to know that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you, are great, I, you are a good, um, you are a good strategist. I was, I was an okay strategist, but um, uh, so so I think from that point of view, it was incredibly exciting and different. But of course, I'm now working with lots and lots of senior stakeholders right across the business, um, and I mean that in itself is obviously a challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that in itself is a challenge, but but I think that you know everybody's bought into this current you know strategy that we've got, and I and I and I feel really confident about it. It's, I have so, to say, it's very clear. It's it's very clear. well. It has to be it's simple because yeah. it's come yeah. from me, and I'm not but really capable. Well, simple, as we know, as we know, simple is not easy. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> no but complex strategies are easy I'm really enjoying as well obviously I'm doing much much more new business so I'm right in the centre of new business which Back to your you know, heart, was heart my, my heartland and I'm really enjoying that um, we've changed our new business products around a lot we've got sort of a new leader now in uh, Mariam who's you know who I think will be really really good and, um, you know, I'm confident that we're going to have some wins over the next period, because I, I think the one thing for sure over this period that we need to do is we need to make sure that we're winning business as well as keeping business. So we need to do both those things if we're going to have a healthy business coming out of it. And we're laser focused on that, laser focused on that. And there is a win, in fact, that you can talk about recently in is Turkey. That? So oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yes. Yeah. So has it been? Oh, it has been announced. It has been. It announced. has been announced. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyone we missed PNG, it? We, oh, for anyone that missed it, yeah, we won the PNG assignment in Turkey, which takes us from number five in Turkey to number two in Turkey. So it's Brilliant. sort of a landmark victory yeah. for for the for the guys in Turkey. And I'm really pleased with Francis, who's yes. come back to us from OMD. Francis Rolston Good, who was her first pitch, and she did uh, she did ever so well. It's, it's brilliant. She, and, and, well, uh, take no credit. She, 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 wouldn't, she won't take any credit for it. She, she says it was everybody else. Well, uh, Frankie was... Um, her when it first comes to a review, that's what I'll say. <laughs> Frankie, <laughs> Frankie's first job was uh, working for me at the media business. So um, it's, it's brilliant to have her back, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she used any of that experience to win this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're fine. I think you're fine, Nick. It was 25 years ago. So. <laughs> yeah, but principles are principles. I don't think the ratings in, you know, in Anglia TV would have won well. that. <laughs> Getting the ratings level right in Anglia TV would have won that. Oh. Talking of people who started ages ago, Nick, you are approaching your 30, 30th anniversary at Mediacom. How are you really going to celebrate? Don't talk about this. This <laughs> makes me sound really doesn't it? it makes me sound really old you were very young it, it, i was extremely you were, young you were very young when, when you were i would young point young. out the company that i joined was 35 people yeah it was 30, the it was called the media business and it was and soon employed me and it was 35 people wow yeah so 35 thousand people is you know so it, it's been like i suppose it's been very different it's felt like about 
four or five different agencies, I suppose, over the mm. years. So you had the media business, which was yeah. a small, localised, independent, Chippy. which grew chippy. chippy, independent, which grew to maybe from 35 over the 90s to by the late 90s, it was mm, coming up to 150, 170 people, maybe. If and that, about two, 200 million billings? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Even that's optimistic. I, I think say. that's what Steve was saying. Was it? Well, you know, he. I think maybe he. Because he was running it, wasn't he? So he's yeah. trying to take. He's trying to overplay it. But so it's the media business, and then we merged with Mediacom in the late nineties. So Mediacom bought us the media business, and then put the two companies together. Um, and I always remember Claire Beale's comment. Yes. Um, which I had pinned on my wall because I was like marketing director at the yeah. time. And hers was something like Mediacom, an extremely boring company <laughs> owned by Gray. Gray's a great word. And media business, nobody knows anything about them. And they're yeah. quite boring too, basically. So do two, do two boring companies make an exciting one? And her view was no, they don't. And what happened but within a year, Nick? One. And within a year, what happened, Nick? Um, well, within, no, not within a year, but, but I think we merged in late 98, early 99. And by, I think we were number six, weren't we? And I think by two years later, we were number one. We were the number one. Agency. We were Agency of the Year as well. We were her Agency of the Year as well. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't count. I don't really count Agencies of the Year. So I only go by facts. OK, I but mean, she changed yeah. her mind about how, how interesting we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did change her mind. She wrote very, and she was, she was always very, 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 very nice. nice. She said it was about she the people. Very nice, yeah. She was yeah. very, very nice about us. It's true. So that was sort of like one, one two sort of different agencies. Yeah. And then I think when Mediacom was bought or Grey was bought by WPP, it sort of changed again because we were given part of Maxis that made Mediacom a proper network in APAC. And... Then Steve took over the global role and we became another agency again. And if you look at how we've grown over that period, it's a similar trajectory. You know, we've gone from like the eighth biggest agency to like four, three or four, depending on who you uh, who you believe on the billings, you know, on the billings front. Yeah. And within that, of course, my, my career. So I've done, I'm one of those annoying people that's probably done every single job. I started off as Sue's planning assistant in 91. So 30, nearly 30 years ago. And um, then I went into, I ran some accounts, didn't I? Then new business, marketing, managing director of the UK, CEO of the UK, Amir, now this role. So, so yeah. And I think that's, but my story, I think, is like a lot of people's stories in Mediacom, right? A lot of people, I mean, you're considered, you're still considered a new guy if you've uh, five years at Mediacom, yeah. you know? So a lot of people have stayed and built their careers here, which I, you know, which I think is fantastic, you know, which I think is part of our DNA. And it doesn't mean we don't bring people in from the outside when we need to. But part of our instinct is to take the good people that we've got and make sure that they have an amazing career at Mediacom. And, and I think we've got a great track record of doing that. And that's something ultimately, I think, when it all comes, when we're all sort of retired, thinking about our careers i think that's probably the one thing that we'll all look back on and and think yeah we did some we did some good we did some good you see as a as a new one of the new guys i know i'm nearly how, six, how years in, six years six years in, in august 
Um, don't expect anything. Yeah. Well, don't expect anything. Don't expect but, any celebration. When I was looking to leave my previous place, um, I briefed the recruitment consultant. I said, I'll go anywhere apart from uh, one agency, which was south of the river, because I live north of London, and MediaCon, because I didn't want to be one of a number. Because, and the reason for that is, you don't, I'd interviewed lots of people. Good. Well, no, no, well, I'm here, right? <laughs> um, and it was because, the the I didn't know anything about MediaCom because I hadn't interviewed anyone from MediaCom. I'd interviewed people who were leaving oh, all yeah. the other agencies, yeah. but sure. not MediaCom. Sure. Um, and so it was very difficult. And I, the only thing I knew was that it was massive, and I didn't want to get lost. I didn't want to just be put. Well, on the interestingly chair. enough, I mean, I do think MediaCom has a sort of a, a str- people do have a bit of a strange view of MediaCom. I think we're seen as a bit culty. Yeah. You know, a bit sort of mysterious because not a lot of people leave. Yeah. It's true. So all our competitors think we're we're just we're a bit weird, I think. <laughs> which which maybe we are. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> maybe we're not the full ticket, so <laughs> <laughs> in a good way, weird in a good way. Good word. Maybe quirky. Should we call it let's call it quirky. Yeah. Quirky. Yeah. We care, right? That's one of the things you always say to yeah. me, Nick. When I sometimes say to you, you know, what's going on, you know, time's difficult and you go, Yeah, but we care. It's true. What's next? You're planning a walk around the garden? <laughs> <laughs> Gearing yourself up for that? I'll tell you one thing. My dog has never been so well walked. Charlie. Charlie. Never been so well walked, I tell you. He's having a great crisis. He's absolutely <laughs> loving it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's loving it. And he's... Uh, so, yeah, long, walk, long walks. I've been reduced to even doing a bit of exercise. Have you? Yes, yes. That's, That's how bad it's got. What's your That's exercise regime, Nick? Well, nothing, uh, nothing to write home about. A few weights. Doing a few Joe weights. Wicks. Not Joe Wicks. <laughs> no, not Joe Wicks. No, I'm not doing anything online. I'm still I'm doing a bit of Pilates. I'm still doing um, a bit of Pilates actually okay. for my back. Yeah, so my back's been remarkably good because I, I, obviously nobody can see that. I'm a regular sort of visitor to a, Tom, my chiropractor, um, up the road from work, and of course, you know that's completely closed. So. Uh, but apparently all his other patients have been calling him non-stop. I mean, he hasn't heard from me, so he was, he was uh, wondering about me. But I said, no, my back's all right. Maybe it was you that was the problem here in the equation. <laughs> right, Nate, I've kept these questions in because we did them on your on the first podcast. That was long so time. long ago. Yeah, yeah the, some of them may have changed. and Some of the questions are new. So if you could tell me your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book, please. Oh, my God. Um... I didn't know you were going to ask me these. Were these on the sheet? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> so, um, well, it'd have to be a Joy Division song, wouldn't it? Huh. So it would have to be Love Will Tear Us Apart. So when routine bites hard and ambitions are low, I can't remember the rest of it. When routine bites hard and ambitions are low, but in... But emotions won't grow, isn't it? But emotions won't grow. And we're changing our ways, taking different roads. There you go. Just about remembered it. Okay. okay, and if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? It Ooh. can't be Charlie. It's got to be yeah. objects that I can uh, procure from, from, from you know, well, oh, obviously not from the shops. What? What? Season ticket. Season ticket, yeah. Yeah. They're going cheap at the moment. <laughs> Maltesers. I like a Malteser. Yeah. It's yeah. my favourite chocolate. 
a bit of a chocolate addict. Uh, my seven iron golf club. Okay, a seven iron. Seven iron. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm uh, at the moment. I'm rewatching the entire series of The Wire. Oh, okay, cool. The greatest TV show of all time. Yeah, you know. I think it is. I think Sopranos might be better. The problem, my problem with The Sopranos is you can take. Uh, so I did the film studies degree, so that the, my my brain's popping. My problem with The Sopranos is you can take an episode, and it's harder to understand where it is in the entire story up. Whereas The Why, you can take every every episode, you can see exactly where it is. That's a bit technical for me. I still have to watch it with subtitles, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think maybe that's where yeah, I, I've never so. watched it. Maybe that's where I went wrong. Maybe I should give it a go with subtitles. And the other thing I'm relying on very heavily at the moment is Spotify. So I don't know how you put Spotify down in a magic circle. Maybe that's just a... That's fine. That's fine. You can have that. I can have that, can I? Yeah. have that. There you go. Is that fine? That's fine. Okay, fine. Fine. There you go. Brilliant. So, we've got three... What three things in your house are giving you comfort? Ooh. Uh... So we're assuming living things are giving you comfort. So living things. We're, no, we've assumed that. People. So, yeah. Your wife. People, people your and, and, and your dog. Dog. Um, I suppose my daughter gives me a hard time. I'm being sort of bullied. I suppose. No, no, we want to know things that you're getting comfort from. Maybe a picture. Maybe a book. Maybe uh, a kind right, of. Okay. So. Uh, uh, well, uh, definitely listening listening to music. Yeah. Um, I would say so. I mean, Spotify reinvigorated my love for music, actually. And before this, I mean, maybe, um, maybe I shouldn't have gone actually because I went to uh, I went to a gig with my son up in Birmingham just before the virus, so it was packed actually. So maybe I'm fairly lucky that I haven't come down with the virus yet. But um, so I've been going to quite a lot of concerts with my son who's in a band himself so i've been doing a fair bit of that how does um, he feel about that how does he well to be fair to alfie i think he puts up with it but also his tastes are quite 80s taste so the band really... that we to see in birmingham who were doing their tour they've got a really good view uh, review in the guardian um were oh, i've forgotten the name of them hmm. totally forgotten the name yeah but let's see if i can find it it's not like the horrors or anyone like that no i do like the horrors though yeah. Um, no, real nineties Brit pop band. All right, some Gaz. Gaz is the lead singer. Gaz. G A Z. Andrew's just for the listeners out there. Andrew's now googling. Yeah, you crack and, on, with, and I'll, I'll see yeah, what I can on, do. Crack on. Uh, crack on. Uh, what's so, it? So, music, what, what other music. things? Music. Yeah. Um, I'm playing a sort of an endless game of Yahtzee with my daughter Ella. Okay. I wouldn't Super say. Nice. Yahtzee, Supergrass, that's it. There you go. Yeah. It was good. It was really good fun. You're playing Yahtzee with your daughter. Yahtzee with my daughter and going for long dog walks. There you go. Brilliant. Um, right. If you could change the industry in one way right now, what would you do? Um I suppose I'd make us I suppose I'd make the industry more results driven. I think a lot of the metrics we're we're judged on and clients say they they want to pay us by results, but we have very few accounts that actually do it because of like real outcomes, right? Yeah, real outcome based. 
electrifying. And I'd really like the industry to change much more that way because I think the metrics we're currently judged on, which tend to be buying type metrics yeah. more, more than often, or the hard criteria anyway, tends to be more buying type metrics, can lead, you know, can lead us to, you know, the wrong outcome sometimes. Yeah. And we yeah. have this debate with clients. So I think that would be the one thing I'd change. And it is complicated, but it's doable, right? It's definitely doable, I think. Um, and I'd much rather be in that camp. So if, if the client's business succeeds, we succeed, would be a much clearer way of us being paid, in my view, than um, than, the, than where we currently are, which is sort of a hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid metric. The final question, Nick, will I email myself? The final question is from uh, Proust's list of questions, his questionnaire. So if you could give me a number between 1 and 31, uh, I'll give you a question and you can answer it to finish us off. 14. 14? Mm -hmm. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? So you probably answer that, Bill. I, I can tell you what gesture Nick mostly overuses, which is that finger point. Well, the finger pointing. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and the, and you are you are want to um describe situations we were talking about this the other day because I didn't know the meaning of it and Mark had to explain it to me. The footballing analogy, the hospital pass. Oh the hospital pass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you mean. The expression <laughs> hospital pass. Yeah. Um I think I also use the expression Muppet quite a lot. Oh, yeah, you do, <laughs> Muppetry. Don't you? I use Muppetry. Yeah. Which is an expression I got from my dad when he was describing my kids when they were young. And he used to say that they were up to a lot of Muppetry. Yeah. So I use Muppetry quite a lot, I would say. There you go. Brilliant. Nick, thank you very much for your time. Lovely to talk to you. Great yeah. to see you, Nick. OK, very good. Take care. Take see care. you later. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye.